Broadcasting glorious purpose across the interdimensional airwaves. This is Bo, a.k.a. Loki Variant HTJM84. And Lorraine, a.k.a. Loki Variant RVJM91. And you are tuned in to the most mischievous show in the multiverse, where we are talking all things Loki. This episode, season one recap. But first, who are we? That's a that's a decent question for people who are tuning in for the first time. Uh, Lorraine, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So we should give the people a little bit of background about us, some things they might want to know as they're going into this, especially in terms of what our familiarity with Loki, the character is, as well as this show, and maybe even the MCU as a whole. So let's start off with you, Lorraine. I I actually have no earthly idea. How did you get into uh, Loki and the MCU and, and all of this stuff? Yes. So surprisingly, Loki was kind of my entry into the MCU. I grew up a huge Spider-Man fan. He was kind of my my favorite Marvel character, but I really didn't keep up with all the MCU movies and whatnot. So I would see like every once in a while, like I would go see, you know, Endgame. And there would just be a lot of plot holes that I would be missing because I didn't actually know the full story. But once Disney Plus started putting its shows out, my husband and I had a tradition of every Friday night we would get takeout and watch the Disney Plus show when it came out because it, you know, was during a uh, COVID times. So it, w- it was a special tradition. And so, of course, I had to watch Loki because it was one of those shows. I just fell in love with it. It was one of the greatest television sh- like seasons I think I've ever seen. I got so obsessed with it that I was like, okay, I've got to go back and watch every single Marvel movie and everything because I have to know everything before season two comes out. So I, uh, yeah, just really love Loki and now caught up with the MCU. That's fantastic. I'm the exact opposite. I started off way back when Iron Man came out and seeing Nick Fury, you know, come in at the very end at Samuel L. Jackson. I actually read the uh, comic books back in the day, was like very familiar with the Ultimates and when they recast the character of Nick Fury with Samuel L. Jackson, even well before Samuel L. Jackson ever had the role of Nick Fury. And so I was super excited with what they were doing. And I was along for the journey in the movie theater, seeing every single one of the MCU movies, wondering, are they going to be able to pull this off? Being blown away when they actually did pull it off with the first Avengers. And to hear you say... Lorraine, in-game had plot holes. I'm like, that is the most airtight movie. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, for me personally, I right. was like, no, that I makes really sense. Know what's going on. Yes. Now, this is this is good. Now, this is also fascinating. So some personal things about us. Uh, we are brother and sister. I am uh, the eldest of our siblings. You are the youngest of our siblings. And so there's a couple of years uh, between us. And so I'm going to learn things about you during this. I didn't know that Spider-Man was like your hero growing up. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 was my favorite movie for oh, probably a solid 10 years. That was, yeah, one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. That that really held a, uh, a high spot for me as well. I never knew that. Did you watch the, you, you were too young for the, the cartoon though, right? Uh, y'all would have it on and I would catch it sometimes. So I remember it being on, but when y'all make reference to it, I don't remember anything that happened. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, good deal. Well, it's nice to know that some of those references come through the, you know, the inside jokes of your older brothers. Yes. We are also, uh, aside from being siblings, we're also founding members of the crew of Loki, which is a Mardi Gras crew, a sub crew of the crew of Chewbacca. Uh, for those not familiar with kind of the concept of a Mardi Gras crew, uh, it's a it's like a parade. That's it's a big parade and kind of a social club and a parade in New Orleans in Mardi Gras every single year. Chewbacca is really the big one that kicks off the Mardi Gras season in New Orleans. 
And as part of Chewbacca, there are various sub crews of various kind of focuses. And so, yeah, last year we officially formed the crew of Loki. We marched and had a blast. And this year we will be back at it again, which is very exciting. Yes. Uh, January 21st, 20th, 20 something. I think that's, I think that's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. We'll be there. That's right. And so one thing I do want to let people know is if you're not familiar crew as in a Mardi Gras crew is spelled K R E W E. So if you want to see some of our pictures from last year and keep up with what's going on uh, with us, be sure to follow crew of Loki on Instagram. That's K R E W E of Loki on Instagram. All right. Good stuff. So a uh, couple other things I want to mention too, before we dive into it, aside from being familiar with the character of Loki from the MCU, I mean, am I right to assume Lorraine, you have no, like, you don't, you have no knowledge of the Loki of comic books. Is that correct? That would be correct. Yes. Okay. What about Norse mythology? Did y'all ever study that back in high school? No, sadly that one never crossed, crossed my way. Okay. I would say I've got a decent knowledge of Loki from comics I've got a working knowledge of Loki from Norse mythology. This show in particular has kind of, you know, deviated pretty hardcore from, uh, to some extent from both of those. I know they are bringing a lot of elements from certain uh, storylines from, from Loki, from the, the comics, but very different from the Norse mythology. That being said, who knows what we get this season. There might be some, you know, references to pull in. That would be uh, very interesting. And then of course, but there is one element that I think, honestly, Lorraine, you bring to the table that, I think in every single TV focused show, nobody has been able to bring to the table and that is celebrity gossip and knowledge. Oh yeah. I've, I've got it all. Are you, are you a Hiddle fan or does he have, does he have like a, when he was dating Taylor Swift, their couple name was Hiddle Swift. Oh my goodness. And I really sometimes accidentally still call him Hiddle Swift. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Good, good. Uh, Good to lay the groundwork there in case that happens to come up through some of this discussion. Who knows? I mean, that's really all I knew about him when I started watching Loki was like, wow, he dated Taylor Swift. It's such a bizarre entry into this franchise that that was that A, it's Loki into everything, especially at the beginning of phase four. But also it's like, oh, hey, it's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Let's see what he does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really he had this iconic I heart TS t-shirt that he will just never you know, it, it will never leave his uh, his life, I would say, All right. his his legacy. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Well, good deal. Well, speaking of his legacy, we're about to talk about season one. You ready for this, Lorraine? I'm ready. All right. Let's get into the rune down. Yeah, because runes, because Norse mythology runes. I, I couldn't think of anything more clever than that. Hey, it works. It does. Well, hey, of course, a lot happened in season one. And so it's impossible to go through all of it. But basically, we are introduced, of course, to Loki as this variant is introduced in originally in game. He now has the Tesseract. He escapes. He goes off. But because now he exists in an alternate timeline, the TVA steps in to eradicate the timeline and pull him right out of all of existence and into the world of the TVA. Loki instantly wants to figure out what's going on so that he can rule this crazy, already oppressive organization. And in so doing, finds this rogue version of himself in Sylphie as he is recruited by Mobius to do so. Mobius and Loki become friends. Loki and Sylphie become more than friends. Uh, he is also tormented at first by Hunter B-15, who eventually then, you know, switches to their side because she realizes that, hey, everybody in the TVA 
is actually a variant, which means that nothing that we've been told is real and everything's a lie, which you think would be a problem for everybody there, but not for Judge Rinslayer, who's in charge. And she doesn't care that some of the stuff she's been told is a lie because she recognizes the power that's driving all of this. And she wants that power. So she's going to go after it. Uh, We find out at the very tail end, of course, that he who remains is out there and that all of this, the TVA, the craziness, the decision that there can only be one pure multiverse, only one pure timeline, rather is all based on he who remains trying to keep this multiversal war from happening. And for those of us in the know, that means trying to keep Kang the Conqueror from going out and conquering the multiverse. It's a lot more to talk about than just that, but that's my quick and dirty rundown of what happened in season one. So Lorraine, jumping into this, I love that you had no context for what you were getting into. How confused were you early on? I was so confused. I was like, okay, like Loki showing, what's that blue thing? And uh, my husband's like, that's the Tesseract. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, that sounds maybe important. And from there, it was, it, it just became more of a story of an anti hero kind of maybe realizing he's good. And it had a lot, a lot of themes that I feel like I could, I could uh, get into without necessarily knowing exactly where it all came from. So for me, it was very interesting because we're taking a character from an earlier part of his story and diverging off into a completely new story. Like the Loki that we got over the MCU in the first couple of phases went kind of through that anti-hero to redemption to, I mean, if not necessarily full on hero, kind of a, a heroic character by the end of his life, when he goes to stand toe-to-toe to Thanos, he does so looking at his brother and claiming their family name as Odin's son, not Laufey's son, but Odin's son, and really kind of embracing you know, their bond and the family that he always kind of felt at arm's length from. So he kind of went on that heroic arc, and then he died. And so to take that Loki and say like, okay, here's that story, and your story leads to death. You keep on losing and losing and losing, and then you die. And him getting this opportunity to try to do something different and yet go on that redemptive arc without just like rehashing what came before. I think they did a really good job of it. Yeah, I mean, I I could pick up on what was going on just by like the clips they would show and whatnot. So it, it wasn't impossible to follow. It was just like, wow, I really wish that I had watched all these movies. Yeah, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Was this your first introduction into the multiverse? Because I know that we've been in like a season of time when there's a lot of different multiverse properties and movies and television shows out there. Um, I th- I think so. I think it was the first time I stepped into the multiverse. How was that for you? I mean, like without having more of like a sci-fi background. I mean, I know that obviously you're a huge Harry Potter fan and Harry Potter has done things with time travel and that sort of thing. But was it, were you kind of up to speed pretty quick or what did that look like? I just remember my mind being blown. Like when the multiverse or at the end, when all the timelines split off, I was just like, this opens up a whole new realm of possibilities that I'd never considered before. And uh, it made me very excited. When, you know, we obviously we get this concept of the TVA has dealt with of all the, the variants they've had to deal with. Loki is the one that keeps on coming up. It's not just Loki that we know from the main timeline. It's not just the Loki that we're introduced to here. Like there's a lot of Lokis out there, which makes sense, right? Because Loki's literally, he's the God of mischief. He's a chaos God to some extent, right? Exactly. And there's this question of who is the superior Loki? And of all the Lokis that we were introduced to in season one, who, I mean, in your mindset, who is the superior Loki? Well, in my mindset, it's got to be the Gator because (laughs) 
I mean, come on. He's a gator wearing a crown. Have you ever met a gator wearing a crown? Uh, well, I mean, I, I have been to Mardi Gras a couple of times, actually. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I got to give it up to Loki Gator. Um, but after that, you know, the, the Loki who sacrifices himself at the end of season one, that's, uh, that's pretty up there. Ooh, interesting concept. So the superior Loki is actually the one, the Loki prime essentially, right? Yes. Like he's like glorious purpose as he's dying for, you know, this Loki's glorious purpose. So, uh, I think it's hard to top that. Yeah, no. All right. So first of all, we got to talk about the big swings that this show really like did. I mean, like, you know, for one thing, it really establishes what the theme of not just phase four, but just kind of this everything post in game for Marvel has been, which is the multiverse being established, this kind of concept of incursions and, and, you know, a multiversal war. And at the same time, you know, you can make an argument that the rest of the shows and movies that came after it haven't really done as well with what Loki set up, but Loki set up something special. Not only do we get in this series a introduction of the multiverse and an introduction of all of these different you know Loki characters, the one that you're referring to, I mean, this is the Loki that is like ripped straight from the comics. He's wearing a comic book accurate costume. It, the actor that plays him, I forget the dude's name, but I know he is a highly celebrated actor. I, I remember him from Downton Abbey. Yes, I remember it was a really big deal on Twitter when he popped up in the uh, teaser for the next episode. See, these are the things I remember from my viewing experience was like <laughs> everyone freaking out on Twitter that he was, uh, I think they called him Classic Loki. Yeah, that makes sense. Classic Loki. Yeah. No, even these rocking the classic costume. Loki, of course, was the first villain that the Avengers in the comic books ever faced. And so appropriate that he would also be the first villain that the Avengers of the movies faced. And this Loki right here in classic Loki is really kind of the, the true embodiment of that. And yet what they did was they used that aesthetic to show Loki and Sophie totally like this ultimate version of who they could be on a power set, but also kind of in a broken kind of way. You know what I mean? Like he survived, but he didn't thrive in the uh, place at the end of time. Well, even before that, right? Because he was saying that he faked his death with uh, with Thanos, and then he just yes. like hung out on a moon somewhere and like stayed off the TVA's radar until he didn't, and then they got him. So he literally yeah. like just basically had no life, essentially. Yes. Also, he is played by Richard Grant. Richard Sorry. Grant. Thank you. Yes. Had to give him a shout out. So super powerful, you know, epic seeing that costume coming into live action and doing so in, in such a, uh, you know, an awesome way, but I don't know. I, I, I gotta wonder if kid Loki might actually be the superior Loki. He has done what no other Loki we've been introduced to has done before. And that's kill Thor. That is true, but they were children. I assume. Yeah. So that's a good point. Maybe Thor didn't have all of the uh, powers that he had in his, in his, an adult. That's fair. He definitely would not have had the, the hammer. Yeah, you're right. It must be Gator Loki. But I mean, what about Sylphie? I mean, Sylphie is the one that at the end of time is actually the one to confront he who remains, kill him and, you know, create the multiverse. She is essentially like the goddess of chaos. She really is. She's kind of like the goat in the whole story. I mean, is there a multiverse without Sylvie's actions? No, like ultimately everything. We all talk about how Kang is kind of the big villain of 
you know, he's kind of the new Thanos, but really Sylphie essentially created Kang. Without her uh, taking over at the end there, we would just have he who remains. All right. So let's talk about all these characters and, and where they are at the end of season one and, and kind of where they might be going. So of course, Loki, he's back in the TVA. We'll talk about kind of all these characters. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, let's talk about Mobius and Hunter B-15, right? Because these are two characters that had an entire arc in season one that kind of, at least from what we know so far, may have actually been wiped out, right? Like Mobius and Hunter yeah. B-15 seem like completely different people by the time we see them at the end of season one. So we're getting a different variant of each of them. I don't think that's right, though. I think I think it's them. I think it's just that, you know, quote unquote variant has been reset. So is has the timeline that Loki left that is that timeline still going on? Okay, this is where it gets really like confusing because the TVA is is supposed to be outside of time, right? And yes. theoretically unaffected by the changes. And yet, in the last episode of season one, when they pull back in the universe, you know how like they begin the episode with kind of like you know they're the star and they're pulling back from all the planets and you're hearing quotes from all the movies, and then they go into this kind of new universe and you start hearing quotes from the Disney Plus shows and Loki and everything that we're experiencing now. The implication, I think, is that everything that we have experienced since Endgame has existed as part of this new multiverse, including the TVA. So there's only one TVA because it exists outside of time. Right. And I guess because they killed He Who Remains, whatever, it's it's never, so they never quite explain it. They never quite explain what exactly the power of He Who Remains is, right? Because he's just a human, but he's a human with advanced mm -hmm. technology. Science. That's his true power. <laughs> right. But science, like there's something, it's got to be something more than that because like, why else would killing him cause the fracturing of the multiverse or did he just time the multiverse or like basically time his control or the systems of control of the timeline, the sacred timeline to basically eradicate at the moment that he no longer knows what happens. And they all just happened to be in his office at that moment. Well, it's, but it was, it was preordained. Like he knew that they would come there. He, to some extent orchestrated it. He says specifically, you have to go through the journey. So you'll be changed and, and all that kind of good stuff. He's a, he's a writer essentially. Mm -hmm. And he's brought them to this moment in time, but he doesn't know what they're going to do. And he's brought them to the moment in time where the protections over the, uh, over the multiverse, over the, the sacred timeline, are gone so that they have to now choose, are you going to keep it going or are you going to let it all, all become a multiverse again? To which his mindset is very clear. If it becomes a multiverse again, then I'll just be back. We're just going to do this whole thing again because there'll be a multiverse of war. I'll conquer Kang. I'll restart the sacred timeline and I'll be here managing the sacred timeline until I'm sick of it. And then two more Lokis will come and you know have this choice. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yes. I think the the first time that I watched when Sylvie kills uh, He Who Remains and he says, see you soon. I don't think I got that. But it's like he knows, hey, now that you're getting rid of me, you're about to see me again. It'll just be a different version. Exactly. Well, then that's also kind of the question is, is this that version? Is the universe totally cyclical where 
it's just a big loop or is it more of like chains? So the next loop will start and we'll get another he who remains who theoretically will set up everything for two new Lokis as opposed to these two Lokis. You know what I mean? So it's not necessarily a time loop. It just, it's like I said, it's more of a chain. Yes. We're not, we're, we're not cross-eyed yet. We're, we still got this, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm tracking sort of. Well, okay. But the imagery is wonderful in the, in the finale because you've got, you know, it's, it's the play on the garden of Eden, except instead of like two humans who are being tempted by the devil, you've got two devils that are being tempted by a human with godlike powers. Oh, interesting. He's even coming down with an apple. It's a little on the nose. I did. Yep. Yep. I did think about that when I was rewatching. The big question, of course, is that Sophie, uh, at the end of it, we don't really know what she's about, right? Like she kills he who remains. She looks over at the timeline. She doesn't look all that like pleased with the fact that the multiverse is, uh, you know, blowing up all over the place. And we're just kind of left with her there. Now, in the previews, we've seen at least a Sylphie, which we can imagine might be our Sylphie, but it might not be our Sylphie, uh, that's working at McDonald's. How could it be the same Sylphie? Because what is Sylphie even doing right now? Is she just chilling out in he who remains his old office, eating his apples and drinking his tea? It's possible. I don't know. I don't know how, if it could be the same Sylphie. What do you think? I'm... So there's a theory going around right now that we're going to be dealing with multiple Sylvies in this. Like we'll have a young Sylvie and an older Sylvie and the older Sylvie will be the Sylvie from last season. Who's been like dealing with whatever the multiverse situation is. So maybe she's been on the run from Kang or maybe uh. she's been like, like the new Kang secret or the new he who remains like now she's she who remains, if you will who's behind the scenes doing everything, which by the way, I've, I've gone back. I rewatched the, the finale and you know how the whole thing was like, Oh, the timekeepers. But then it's like, Oh no, the timekeepers weren't real. They were just animatronics. I, I, I think that there actually were timekeepers. Really? Yeah. I think that actually the, he who remains conquered the timekeepers and basically took their job in tech. And then he made them puppets. Well, yeah, exactly. Because if you go into like if you go into his house, right, like his whole, you know, whatever it is at the end of time, like there's statues of the timekeepers. Yes. Yes, there are. And he's got one that's actually bashed down. So there was four and now there's three. And so to me, it makes me think that he must have just conquered them, but then used that imagery and that narrative. And so that he's really, you know, so now he's the Oz behind the scenes. That's kind of, you know, the puppet master. But I think there actually were legit timekeepers at one point. I don't think that they were total fabrications. Yes, because I, I, when I was watching, I was thinking, like, how did he come up with all of this? But if there really were timekeepers, then he could pretty easily convince people that they did exist because they did at some point. So exactly. that, that makes sense to me. Exactly. Are there other thoughts from this season before we go full into speculation for next next uh, next season? Um, I just really. I uh, want to see a lot more of Mobius. I really hope he gets his jet ski or at least gets to like, you know, take a ride on one. But uh, yeah, great, great season of television. 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, yeah. No, the, the, it was it was fantastic. It really started everything on a high note. And unfortunately, it's set a bar so high that I don't think really anything has been able to hit it since. Uh, maybe Guardians 3, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is one of the most fantastic movies in, in the MCU. But uh, yeah, yeah. Loki. Loki did something special. It really set up something special that a lot of the other multiverse movies and shows have just not done as well with. So hopefully season two is here to get us back on track. That's my hope. 
I hope so as well. We're going to take some stabs in the dark here in just a minute to uh, talk about what we think might be happening this season. So stay tuned with us. We'll be right back. All right, it's time for Stabs in the Dark. Ah! This is where we take our speculation and we just try to guess what's going to happen this season. This is not spoilers per se, other than just pulling based off of what commercials and ads have been out there. Uh, So this is all just based on promotional material. No official spoilers or anything of that is happening right here. So you can continue to listen, knowing full well that we might be very wrong. And so if we get it right... is just is just dumb luck. You want to take some stabs in the dark? What do you think is going to happen this season? I think that Loki and Sylvie are going to confess their love for each other. Oh, did they? I mean, that's that's so season one, isn't it? But they're going to say it. You know, it was only implied. And then, I mean, think about it. They kissed, and then she sends him into like another dimension, essentially. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's true. She manipulated him for that. By the way, I loved their whole dynamic there, right? Like the, you know, I can't be trusted and you can't trust anybody. It's, it's, it's a, you know, they're, they're a relationship that's destined for terribleness. That's true. So Or not. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think I'm of the opinion that the Sylvie that we're, we're going to find is not our Sylvie. Like, I don't think that, that the Sylvie that we, we run into early on in this season is going to be the same Sylvie. If there is an infinite number of Lokis, there's also an infinite number of Sylvies. Um, and so I'm, I've got to imagine that's the case. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking that we could see, I think we're going to see Sylvia as the, as the villain. I think that we'll probably be introduced to a older variant of Sylvia. I'm, I'm down with that theory. And I think that what they're going to try to set up is that that's just a variant when in actuality, it's going to be the actual Sylvie from season one. This is my theory. Oh, It's going to be like a twist. Yes. I think I think that they'll they'll set up a twist with kind of the concept of a Sylvie variant, um, just like they did like Sylvie being a Loki variant. I think that's gonna how they're gonna they're gonna do things in season two. I could be wrong. Uh, Mobius, I you know I I do think that we're gonna see Mobius on a jet ski. I love you know I've I've seen some theories out there that that show Mobius getting one of the uh, Tachari like flying jet skis from the first Avengers movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's like a jet ski on a next level, but I don't think that's right. I think he, I think if he's going to get a jet ski, it needs to be the real thing. You, you got to give him what he wants. Yeah. Hunter B-15, big question mark, because she was introduced as kind of this, you know, arm of the TVA as kind of, you know, constantly thwarting people here, there and other everywhere, but then also kind of somebody outside of our kind of prime heroes to learn the truth. You know what I mean? To kind of give them somebody to pull the wool from their eyes. I, uh, I don't. I don't know where she's going. I don't think we really know a whole lot about her. No, I think we have a lot to find out. Yeah. So she's she's a blank card. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with her. Judge Renslayer, have we seen Renslayer in any of the promotional material yet? I feel like I saw her for a half a second in one of the like, you know, scene, scene, scene montages. So I but I could be wrong. I could have misseen her. I think she is going to be a very interesting character to follow, right? Because her whole thing at the end of it was that the only person that has free will is the one in charge. And so she's going to go off to find free will. In the comic books, uh, Renslayer and and uh, Kang are very much an item. Like they are, you know, they, they you know, she's, I, I can't remember if it's wife or girlfriend, but regardless, they've got some kind of relationship uh, between the two of them. And so I don't know that they're going to play directly into that. I think that she's almost going to be more of a rival to Kang. 
And perhaps that's going to put her interests in line with, you know, the rest of the heroes. But I think that, you know, she is after the throne in very much the same way that Loki was after the throne in season one. Interesting. Yes. So she, she wants the freedom of being the one person in power. This is what my theory is. That's certainly what she indicated at the end of last season. Um, and I mean, like, I think, I think a lot of us, those of us kind of familiar with her backstory assumed at the time, like, oh, okay, she's going to go and she's going to team up with Kang. I don't know. As I've gotten a chance to kind of marinate on it. I I think that we could see her becoming kind of the new Kang, at least, at least on a Loki level, if not on like the full, you know, Marvel MCU level. Ah, interesting. I was quite curious where she was going when she disappeared at the end of uh, season one. Yeah. So we, so. we we shall see that. Um, oh, Loki. So in the previews, we've seen that Loki is time slipping is what they call it, right? Yes. This seems very similar to what uh, He Who Remains was doing at the end of season one with his kind of unique, uh, what do they call it? Like a tent pad? Yes. So I'm I'm wondering if because of something Sylphie did when she pushed him out of you know the 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 land after time I'm wondering if that some way imparted either that power set or that technology or something onto Loki but he can't control it so basically he has the powers so to speak of he who remains uh without the like control of he who remains interesting yeah. So do you know what time slipping means? No, <laughs> but, but I know what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. I don't but know. You can't, I, you can't time slip in the TVA, but it's happening. Exactly. That's what I remember from the trailer. So this is my thought is that like, what if at the end of season one, what happened and we didn't realize happened is that the, you know, quote unquote powers or technology or, I guess, um, I don't know, the mantle of he who remains was split between Sylvie and Loki. And Loki got something that Sylvie didn't get. And Sylvie got something that Loki didn't get. And because of this, not only is the multiverse crazy right now, but neither of them are able to really do anything about it in any kind of good or ill way. I think I'm going to have to marinate on that one for a while. So the idea is that like Sylvie... Maybe she now has the ability to control it, but not the power to do so. Like maybe she's trapped in one timeline Hmm. without the ability to get to where she can control the multiverse. Whereas Loki is bouncing around through time and through these different timelines without any kind of control at all and has no control over the actual timelines. I don't know. This is, it's a working theory. It was something that I was kind of, toying around with when I noticed that time slipping looked a lot like what he who remains was doing at the end of season one, uh, Loki variants. Um, I, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more Loki variants. Do you think we're going to see a return of any of our, our favorites from season one? Well, obviously I hope the Gator comes back. Um, I could see the, the boy coming back. I mean, I he has so. a lot of potential. He's got the whole rest of his life ahead of him. So, you know, he could, he could bring a lot. Yeah, I think I think Kid Loki would be, you know, there was a speculation at the time that he was going to be part of the Young Avengers. Oh, has that has that been uh debunked? Well, I mean, it's you know, I mean, kids grow up pretty quick. <laughs> I mean oh, yeah. at, at the same time, Kate Bishop isn't that young. And so, like, you know, the Young Avengers, young is kind of relative in this uh in this franchise right now. This is true. I'd like to see them all return. Boastful Loki, I really liked his look. Um, the the concept of like a faux hammer. 
uh, looks really cool. Obviously, Gator Loki, you, you love to see Gator Loki. So um, maybe we will see all the Lokis popping up at the very tail end of season two in kind of like an in-game portal scenario. But like instead of all the Avengers, it's all the Lokis. You know, I actually would really love to see a President Loki and perhaps a campaign. But we I saw President Loki. Yes, but I would like to see him again, and I would like to see his his candidacy. I would like to see him running for president. Wow. Okay. All right. I think um, it's it's possible. It's definitely possible. What about a Loki that was dating Taylor Swift? You know, that would be probably the ideal Loki scenario. <laughs> um, I don't know if you keep up with football, but Taylor Swift was at a big NFL game this weekend with a at the invitation of one of the players. So you know, she's uh she's fully moved on here, but um. That would be amazing if we could get. Doesn't he have a wife and kids? Hasn't he fully moved on as well? Yes, yes, that is true. (laughs) I'm just saying that. Um, you know, there's actually a Capital One commercial where Taylor Swift shows up as several versions of herself from all of her different eras. So actually, that would be incredible if it was like all the different eras, but as different variants. This is great, actually. Yeah, the Loki TVA or the Loki variants working for the TVA would be going to prune all the different Swift variants. That'd be that. That's a that's a spinoff right there. (laughs) I would watch that so fast. There you go. Well, that's our thoughts. We want to hear y'all's thoughts on this season. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, you can email the show, show at LokiTVTalk.com. That's show at LokiTVTalk.com. Love to hear your speculations. Take your stabs in the dark. Send them over, and uh, and we'll, we'd will we love to read them off on the show. Also, want to remind you to be sure to follow us at Crew of Loki on Instagram. That's K-R-E-W-E of Loki on Instagram. You can follow me, Incognito, and you can follow Lorraine. It's fine. You don't have to follow me. No, they got You got to give your Instagram. <laughs> My Instagram is nobody here, really. It's uh. That's a it's... great Instagram handle. <laughs> yes, right, I'm yeah, nobody so... here really on Instagram. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Follow us there. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, that is going to do us for us today. Until next time, be sure you're making some good mischief out there and glorious purpose to you all. For all time, always. Uh, That is going to do us for us today. But until next time, oh, we need a good like sign out. What's a good sign out? I've been Lorraine or uh, Loki and subscribe. Uh, Keep it low key out here. (laughs) This this, this is pretty good though. Keeping it low key. Glorious purpose to you all or something like that. Glorious purpose and subscribe. Glorious. Smash that subscribe button. Glorious purpose.